Hello, welcome to I3 Years, your ophthalmology OCAPS and Board of View podcast. We're your hosts, Ben Young. And Amanda Redfern. Please keep in mind that this podcast is for educational purposes only and not to diagnose the weird thing on your eye or well, your friend's eye. Or Yeah. We're ophthalmology residents who figure that reviewing for boards, OCAPS, or the clinic is better when you don't have to do it alone. Each week, we take a high-yield topic and talk about the why and the how. This week, we're doing one of my favorite subjects, but strangely, actually, Ben loves this subject even because more. Because it's a good topic. And maybe it's a sign that you're going to be a neuroretinologist. That's not a thing. So this week is transmit. <laughs> this week is transient monocular vision loss. Yeah. Also known as amaurosis fugax. So just like a side note on the terminology, amaurosis fugax is just Latin for transient vision loss. Uh, and I know that we like talk about that as like a diagnosis and the books and stuff, but I don't like that term because everyone thinks that means transient retinal artery ischemia when it doesn't always, as we're going to talk about in this episode. So there's a very systematic way to think of it. It actually reminds me of internal medicine. When you had chest pain, you take the arrow and go through. Yeah, and you go through the arrow, like upper quadrant pain. Yeah, exactly. So Same idea, but this time it's taking an arrow through the eye, and I guess that's a ruptured globe. Yeah, don't don't actually do that. You're going to cognitively do that. But So the, the idea is if you have a patient with transient monocular vision loss, there's some problem where light can't get too your neurons. So we had, so all you have to do to figure out what the problem is, is trace the path from photon to neuron. So you can take an arrow or imagine taking your finger and then tracing the path of the photon to the neuron and thinking at what point on this process can there be an interruption transiently causing vision loss. So what's the first thing you hit? Cornea. Oh, and before we go further, there's only seven things that can cause it. That's why this is like a, a nice topic. There's really only seven things that can cause transient monocular vision loss. So the first thing we hit is the cornea. What in the cornea can cause transient monocular vision loss? Probably the most common thing that you hear about. Yeah. Dry eyes. Dry eye. Remember, the, the tear foam is responsible for like 60 per 66 percent of your refractive power like 40 thirds, yeah yeah like 40 20 yeah 40 diopters of your 60 diopters of total refractive power so any disruption of that ear tear film interface can give you blurry vision and you know when you blink you'll start a tear film and then they'll have somewhat better vision and will transiently get blurry and we go beyond that into the anterior chamber with the iris what? And the angle. And the angle. Now, light doesn't hit the angle, but it can be responsible for vision problems. And there's actually two problems that can cause, in the angle, that can cause transient monocular vision loss. So let's talk about the first one, the one that people commonly think about when you come in with a red, painful eye and blurry vision and maybe a pressure of 60 that's too high. So you And some halos, of course. Right. So that's a migraine. No. <laughs> but it can be confused for a migraine, otherwise known as intermittent angle closure. Um, we emphasize intermittent here because, again, it's a patient with transient monocular vision loss. So when you, by the time you see them, if the vision has been restored, then they may have a normal pressure at that time, uh, at the time of examination. So, you know, you should do a gonioscopy to look. Is their angle look occludable? 
And, um, you know, you can look for other signs of intermittent angle closure, like Laucum Flecken and like all these different things that we'll cover in an angle closure episode later. Yay. And you can also look for little PAS as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, um, that's peripheral anterior synechiae. Thank you. Yeah. There's another thing we're looking for in the angle besides intermittent angle closure. Like a young male exercising. Yeah. Jumping jacks, maybe. Something like that. <laughs> and they can get um, pigment dispersed into their angle. So pigmentary dispersion syndrome can cause transient monocular vision loss. It can also be binocular, of course, too, but it can cause transient monocular vision loss, likely from transient increase in the IOP from pigment dispersion after some kind of classically, they say, vigorous workout something, you know? So like jumping, if they got like, they were like boxing, maybe, you know? I actually got consulted once for this in the ED. Someone was sent to an emergency, the emergency department by their coach and it was from football practice, and I was wondering how their coach knew about this. Their coach specifically asked. Yeah, about so I, wow. I had a I had a warning. Hey, we're sending a patient to the ED for you to check because he he had a transient vision loss during a football practice, and I think the implication maybe I was reading too far into it, but I was like really impressed. Huh. Very cool. Do they have it? No. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but. <laughs> But things that I was looking for on that exam were looking for the transillumination defects on the iris. Sure, spoke-like. That are spoke-like or radial. And also doing a good gonio exam and looking for the pigmentation there. Especially if you're looking at a young person, which I think a lot of the question stems, they tend to be younger. Yeah. Like, you're not going to see that much pigment in someone who is young. So if you did see, like, two, three-plus pigment in someone who is that young, you would be really suspicious. Right. You can also look for a Krukenberg spindle, which is a pigment that deposits on the inferior part of the cornea. Uh, okay. That, we're done with now with like the angle and the iris in terms of causes of transient monocular vision loss. So let's keep pushing that finger into the eye. What else could there be? The What's vitreous, the but who cares about the vitreous? Oh, uh, oh, who cares about 80% of the eye? Uh, excuse me. Nice try. <laughs> Um, so there's not much in the vitreous that usually will cause transient monocular vision loss. But if there's like a mobile vitreous opacity, you know, maybe there's some vitheme that was there before and it got jostled and kind of dispersed up. Um, rarely you can have cysts in the vitreous. So all it means is you should have carefully examine the vitreous, you know, look at the slit lamp with your slit beam on a tilt so that you can look at the vitreous, see if there's something in there, you know, especially in the inferior vitreous that might have mobilized when the patient did something. That's all we had to say about the vitreous. Okay. Fingers still pushing what's behind the vitreous. The retina. The retina, yay. The wallpaper of the eye. The, the, yeah, the, the, the most beautiful structure in the human body. So, <laughs> excuse uh, me. Uh, wow. Yeah, so. Bias. <laughs> not at all. So this is where we get into the part where people think about amaurosis fugax, is transient ischemia of the retinal arteries. But, you know, we, again, there's all these other things that can cause it. So don't just think amaurosis fugax means transient retinal artery ischemia. It just means transient monocular vision loss. But this is something that you don't want to miss. These, there are, yeah. So what are the three causes of transient retinal artery ischemia? So embolism, inflammation, and vasospastic, vasospastic phenomenon. Cool. How do you get embolic phenomena to the eye? So you can get emboli from 
different places along your uh, circulatory system, starting from your heart. So if you were having a valvular issue, you could uh, flick little emboli from there, um, from your aortic arch, and also from your carotids. Right. So to evaluate for embolic processes to the retina, you have you, all you need to do is evaluate the heart, the uh, you know the ascending aorta, and the carotids. If you get an echo, which evaluates the heart and the aortic arch, and you get either an ultrasound or a CTA, something to evaluate the carotid, then you've evaluated for embolic causes of transient renal artery ischemia. Typically, when I see these people, I always get a CTA uh, head and neck, just looking for the embolic phenomenon, and then I leave the rest to neuro for the for them to complete the stroke workup which classically includes the echo right i mean this is you know treat it like a tia it's basically like a tia so she get that stroke workup but um but yeah at least so you know on your end what are the possible causes you know because the ophthalmic artery is the first highway off of the carotid of the internal carotid yeah internal carotid so um you know, this could be a harbinger for other embolic phenomena to the brain later. So, uh, but it's important to know where your sources could come from. And it's important to explain this to your patients as well, because some of them may not understand why, how an eye symptom led to an admission. Yeah, yeah. So they need to understand why they should stay for the workup. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of tell them they've had an eye mini stroke. That usually, when you use the S word, that usually works. That usually, yeah. Perks ears. Okay. So, but as we said, there's not just embolic phenomena. We said there's inflammatory phenomena too. What specifically can cause this? The classic thing, the thing that you can never miss on boards slash oral boards, and that's GCA. Yeah. So, you know, it, it can cause persistent vision loss, as we'll probably cover in a GCA episode later. Do you want to do one of those? Yeah, I yeah. think it warrants its own. Yeah, I think that's a good, it would be a good episode to talk about the manifestations, but... Um, but it can also cause transient monocular vision loss as well. So you always have to consider it. Um, and we'll probably talk about in that episode how to how to litigate the issue of whether or not they have an inflammatory cause. But uh, you should always consider it, especially if embolic has been ruled out and if they're, they're, they're of the appropriate age. Then you can consider doing the ESR, CRPs, and um, biopsy. But if you know it's embolic, then I think you're done. This is not to say that there aren't other inflammatory causes, but by far and large, the one that we worry about most is GCA. And then, yes, potentially there are other inflammatory causes. Yeah, they're like vasculitic processes mm-hmm. too. Um, okay. And then there's this vasospastic thing you mentioned. You believe in that, Ben? Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I've observed it. Um, but not like in action. So the, the idea is that the smooth the smooth muscles in your arterial cell walls can constrict and stay spasmed, close, giving you transient renal artery ischemia that resolves on its own. It is very difficult to prove someone has it. It's essentially a diagnosis by exclusion. There are sure there are case reports of it being seen like in on fluorescent angiogram when they're having an episode like during the fluorescein. But, um, you know, it's not something that you can really do anything to test for. You should exclude all the other things before coming to this. Like, you have to make sure they don't have any of the other things we're about to talk about. And that's also why knowing these seven things, we're just going to review again in a bit, is good. Because once you, if you know that it's not any of the other seven things, then you've excluded all the, literally all the other possibilities. 
So you can feel good about that. Okay, I'm inserting an editor's note here. In this part, we should have also covered photo stress, which is very much related to retinal artery ischemia, essentially. So remember that if you shine a bright light in someone's eye, their vision will be transiently decreased. And that's normal for anyone. And normally, your vision will come back in 28 seconds, say 30, just to make it easier to remember. Someone's vision should come back to within about two lines of their normal best corrected visual acuity within 30 seconds. So someone may come in complaining of transient monocular vision loss if it takes much longer than that to come back. Say someone is looking at fireworks or something and it takes longer for their vision to come back. That's photo stress. And if someone has an increased photo stress time, that usually means they have decreased blood flow to their eye or to their retina. So that can be related to ocular ischemic syndrome. Um, also, if you have impaired photoreceptor function, such as such as in macular degeneration, then you can have increased photostress time as well. So just keep that in mind in case someone is complaining of transient monocular vision loss, which can be due to ocular ischemia. Ending editor's note now. And I think that's it, right? That's all there is to get from photon to neuron. So thank you for listening. Or maybe to this. we save the best for last because okay. everybody knows that the optic nerve is the coolest part. The optic nerve. What can happen at the optic nerve that can give transient vision loss? Let's start with compression. Okay. So papilledema is associated with something called transient visual obscurations. And that's basically when positionally you are... So that's basically when you get yourself in a position like tying your shoes where you have a lot of pressure that builds up from that position and it chokes off the nerve. And you can have a transient loss of vision. I know we typically think of papilledema as being a bilateral, not a monocular vision loss, but there are times when uh, it can be asymmetric. So it is something to consider, even though uh, generally when we talk about papilledema, it is a binocular issue. Right. And then on that line, pseudopapilledema, i.e. optic nerve head drusen, can also cause this process where sometimes when they move their eye or something, it just transiently chokes off the optic nerve head so they can get transient vision loss in the eye with that. So the takeaway is look at their optic nerve head carefully to see if there's any swelling. If there is swelling, then you, know, then you have a reason for them to have transient vision loss. One really cool cause is a posterior mass causing gaze evoked amaurosis. So that would be something like an optic nerve sheath meningioma or along those lines. And that in certain directions of gaze, it will cause the, um, it will cause greater compression on the optic nerve itself from that mass because of the pressure against that mass. Um, and then there's one more cause of optic, transient optic nerve vision loss. That's inflammatory in nature. I think we've talked about it before on this episode, on, on the podcast, right? I think so. Yeah, we talked about an optic neuritis episode. Oh, yeah. yeah that's right, in typical optic neuritis. So how do, you, how do you pronounce this? Oh, I just call it Uthoff. Uthoff? Uthoff. If you speak German in the audience, you can send in corrections. But I think it's Uthoff, right? I think I misspelled it in our script. I'm pretty sure there's like three extra H's in there or something. As long as you don't misspell ophthalmology. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Like on a residency application, but yeah, keep that in mind. Oh my gosh. Um, So if you haven't listened to our optic neuritis episode, 
What is Uta's phenomena, Amanda? So Uta's phenomenon is caused by a demyelinating lesion classically. And basically, when you are exposed to some warm condition like heat from a shower or exercising, you can get worsening of that demyelination the worsening of your symptoms from the demyelinating lesion causing a transient monocular vision loss in this case. Yeah, and I told the story before, but, you know, they used to diagnose multiple sclerosis with a bathtub test where you put someone in a hot bathtub. They can't get out. Then they had MS because you're in triggering Uta's phenomena, but instead for their, like, you know, motor skills and they can't get out. So it's the, it's, that was in the days before MRI. It's, that's something that they used to do. And it's something that can still cause... Transient monocular vision loss. But you'll notice that's the only way that um, optic neuritis can cause transient monocular vision loss. Otherwise, it should be persistent vision loss. So Mm -hmm. that's that. And then there's kind of an eighth category. So we're done. That's it. But we'll we'll run through that one more time for your edification. There's kind of one more category you always need to consider, though, when you have a chief complaint of transient left eye or right eye vision loss. Is it really left eye or right eye? Exactly. So you always consider that they could have a misinterpreted binocular vision loss, perhaps a hemianopsia. Hemianopsia. People don't really think about, you know, what how a right eye or left eye vision problem could be. So they have right hemianopsia. Hemianopsia. They might interpret that as right eye vision loss. And what are some causes of binocular vision loss? Just so people can think about it. So migraine is a big one. Especially if that scotoma is off-centered, they'll definitely like think that it was in one eye versus another. Yeah. Uh, TIA and having that kind of homonymous defect. Or vertebrobasilar insufficiency, which kind of goes along with that. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, if they're actively having the problem, then it's nice to try to test it by covering one eye after the other. But sometimes you can't really. So you have to take with a little bit of grain of salt how they interpret it. Okay, so I'm just going to run through the seven causes really quickly, and then we're going to talk about what that means you need to do for a workup with transient monocular vision loss, and then we're done. So the seven causes are dry eye, ocular surface disease, two, intermittent ankle closure, three, pigmentary dispersion, four, immobile vitreous opacity, five, transient retinal artery ischemia, six, optic nerve compression, seven, UTOPS phenomena, and then the Quote, eighth reason is a misinterpreted binocular vision loss. So what does that mean you have to do to uh, to actually rule out those seven problems, Amanda? Well, you need to evaluate the corneal surface. Yep, so put that fluorescent. And gonio, gonio, gonio. I know that it's not our favorite thing to do on call, but this definitely warrants doing fine, a gonio. But I, I think it's fun. I do it when it's indicated. Yeah. This is definitely indicated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, along with glaucoma emergencies. Yeah. Um, do a good dilated fundus exam. Uh, also, carefully examine the optic nerve head. Make sure that there's nothing that might be look like a papilledema or be papilledema. And make sure you get a good history. Maybe yeah. start with a good history and then do the exam. And then if anything is concerning for uh, embolic phenomena, definitely... Get the CTA head and neck and also talk to your neuro colleagues about doing a stroke workup. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you're getting your history, specifically look for relationship with activity or temperature, elevated body temperature, which can sometimes be, you know, both. Like someone ran a marathon, they'll have both be jostled and have an elevated body temperature sometimes. 
yeah, that's all we have for this week. Thanks for listening. Um, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can give us a like or review on iTunes or wherever you find you, whatever the pod tracking app you found us on. <laughs> what do they, they call those things? Is it, what or whatever platform you platform? use yeah. to listen to your podcast. Uh, I don't know what else is there to say. Is there anything else? No. I'm sorry if this episode is late. I've been in interviews and Andrew is out today because we couldn't record in time for AAO. So thank you, Amanda, for coming on the show. My pleasure. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.